Welcome to Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. I'm Anthony Kent. And I'm Derek Morris. And we're glad you joined us today for a very important topic. Anthony, tell us about our guest today on Ministry in Motion. Sure. Our guest is a living legend, Pastor Mark Finley. Very experienced. He's been an international speaker, man of God, a wonderful writer as well. We're just thrilled that he's here. And you know, I had the opportunity in my last pastoral assignment to work alongside Mark Finley, and it was a life-changing experience for me. So I know our viewers are really going to appreciate the program today. I'm sure they will too. And Derek, the topic that we're looking at is the pastor as an evangelist. Now, we know that a pastor wears a number of hats, has a number of roles and responsibilities. But being an evangelist is one of those important and significant roles. And so who better than Mark Findlay to, to help us with that discussion? That's right. Yeah. We're glad that you've joined us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Pastor Mark Findlay. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our guest this week is Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, welcome to Ministry in Motion. I'm delighted to be with you, Anthony. Thanks. Well, thanks. We're just thrilled, Mark. We really are. Mark, the, the topic that we'd like to look at with you today is the pastor as an evangelist. It's a very significant role, the pastor as an evangelist, isn't it? It really is. And I think, Anthony, we need to define what we mean when we talk about evangelism. When some people think about evangelism, they have images of renting a large public hall and a charismatic speaker speaking to thousands. But actually, the word evangelism comes from the word evangel, which is the root word for gospel. So an evangelist is one who proclaims the gospel with the intent of communicating the truth about Jesus and leading people to make a response. It's a wonderful concept, isn't it? Proclaiming the good news and the good news about Jesus. Yeah. Now, the, the role of the pastor as an evangelist is firmly established in the Bible, isn't it? It really is. It's rooted in the heart of God. Actually, evangelism is God's work. God had only one son and he was an evangelist. I love the way that Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 puts it, where here in Luke 19, 10, Jesus, describing his own work, says, The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. So Christ came to this earth for one person, to, to, for one reason, to mm -hmm. seek lost people. And he came for one person as well, and two people, and three. Exactly. But he came to seek lost people and to save lost people. Mm. Without the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, men and women who could have been saved may be lost. And the, it's, it's an overwhelming thought to think that God calls pastors not simply to preach so people have a better quality of life, yeah. but to preach so they have redemption, preach so they have salvation. And the whole role of evangelism is following in the footsteps of Jesus with a passion and a concern about lost people. Exactly. And, you know, it's, it's not just a temporary lostness, is it? Like we might lose our keys or mm -hmm. something like that, but it's an eternal lostness. It really is. And, you know, people say, well, 
wait a minute, is God fair? Is God just? What about the many world religions of people, Buddhism and Islam and uh, Hinduism? And uh, what about secular people? What about people that have never had the opportunity to hear the preaching of the gospel? Mm -hmm. um, does that mean they're automatically lost? It certainly does not mean that at all. Mm. Let me clarify. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the Bible says, there's no other name under heaven whereby we might be saved except through Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so there is only one method of salvation, that's Jesus. But God in His mercy, His love, His grace, understands the background of a person. He knows where they were born. Psalm 87, verse 4 says, the Lord will count when He judges or writes up the people, this man was born there. Mm -hmm. So God considers where we were born, the opportunities we've had, and he, uh, we are judged based not simply on the light we could have had, but the light we respond to, the mm -hmm. truth that we respond to. So there are some things that encourage me about this. We preach the gospel not to give people the only chance to be saved, but to give them the best chance to be saved. Exactly. God knows where they were born. God knows the circumstances of their life. God knows how they have responded to the inner light and the conviction of the Holy Spirit. But also, we have natures that are fallen. So although mm -hmm. God reveals Himself to us in the natural world, although He reveals Himself to us through the providences of life, the arrangement, the circumstances of life, although God reveals Himself to us with the deep convictions of the Holy Spirit, because our natures are fallen, because, as Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Mm -hmm. We have this cloud that hangs over us, a cloud mm -hmm. of darkness. The mm -hmm. gospel light penetrates mm -hmm. that darkness, mm -hmm. and we see clearly this God of incredible love. So, is the pastor an evangelist? If he is a pastor, he must be an evangelist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the New Testament, there's this at least one example of a key New Testament figure that used the term evangelist. Sure. And yeah, the Apostle Paul talks to young Timothy. Yeah. And uh, here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, 3, and 4, and 5, Paul's talking to Timothy about his own ministry, and he says, For the time will come that they'll not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers. So Paul is encouraging Timothy to preach sound doctrine. Mm -hmm. And he says to Timothy in verse 2, preach the word. But he goes down to verse 5 and he says, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. In other words, my ministry is fulfilled as I see men and women, boys and girls, coming to Christ and accepting His truth. The reason a pastor is interested in evangelism is because God is. Mm. It's God's desire that all men and women be saved. Yeah. It's God's desire that all come to repentance. If I have no interest in seeing men and women and boys and girls saved in God's kingdom, if I have no interest in reaching my city with the gospel, if I have no interest in seeing that town impacted with the truth of God's word, then there's something wrong with my own vision of ministry. Mm, mm. Because ministry is much more than simply watching over the saints on a Sabbath morning yes. or a Sunday morning. Yes. Ministry is involved with this passionate desire to see people saved in Christ's kingdom and to know the truth of His Word. Exactly. So seeing people and having the, the same vision that God has seems to be ever so critical. How, how would you suggest that a pastor might 
clarify that vision a little more from the New Testament? To understand two things. First, what I would call a church growth mindset. Okay. In other words, on our knees, like John Knox, oh God, give me Scotland or I die. Mm. Um, like William Booth of the Salvation Army, who signed in the Queen of England's guest book, some men's ambition is fame, some men's ambition is money, some men's ambition is power or or in some men's ambition is prestige or position, but my ambition, your majesty, is the souls of men and women. Wow. See, so, so how do you clarify it? By on your knees saying, God, give me a heart for souls. Give me a burden for people. Somebody said anybody wrapped up in themselves is a very small package. Yeah, yeah. Great soul winners go out of themselves mm. to minister to others. Mm. You know, it seems that you're describing here that an evangelist isn't just an evangelist. An evangelist is a person who knows the Word, knows God, yeah. is in love with God and has the vision of God, yeah. you know? They have, the, they have this vision of God and just like God loves people, mm -hmm. if a pastor evangelist has this heart for people, mm. this great desire to, to, to share Jesus' love with people. The, one of the greatest compliments, Anthony, I ever had gotten was I walked off the platform once after preaching, appealing for people to come to Christ, and a man came up to me and he said, Mark, it's like you learned it yesterday and couldn't wait to tell it today. Oh, isn't that wonderful? And you know, 45 years later I say, God, God, Give me that joy every time I preach, exactly. as I make appeals, as I see people raise their hand or fall on their knees to come to Christ. Help me to be expressing it just like I did the first time. I never want it to be stale. I never want it to, you know, maybe after our break, we'll come back and I'll share with you some things that I do that really help me to keep focused in the joy of preaching Jesus after 45 years. We're looking forward to hearing that. Make sure you come back straight after the break. There'll be more of Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our guest is Pastor Mark Finley. Mark, just before the break, you were sharing how you keep excited in the, in the message. To share more with us about that. Well, you know, I have preached all over the world, great auditoriums, small churches, and one of the things I always do is about an hour before the meeting, I go to the auditorium by myself and come to the platform, and I look out over the auditorium, and I say, Lord, there's going to be a young couple sitting over there in those two chairs. Give me a heart for them. Help me to be able to shape the words that meet their needs and meet them in Jesus and lead them to you. Mm. Lord, there's going to be an old man sitting in the back. There's going to be teenagers on this row. And I visualize in my mind the people coming to the meetings. And even before they're there, I pray that the Lord will help me to be able to reach them for his kingdom. Yeah. I have pastor friends who do that in their churches before they preach. They come to church and they look over the pews. They imagine their members. You know, Although we don't assign seats in churches, no, no. people tend to sit in the same areas. We're creatures of habit, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Yeah. And these pastor friends will come and they'll imagine this family sitting there and, mm -hmm. and this couple sitting there and this elderly man sitting there and these teenagers sitting there and pray for them. For me, that is so refreshing because 
every night I know that there's somebody going to come to Christ that night. I preach with an expectation. Mm -hmm. I preach with an anticipation that somebody is going to make a life-changing decision that night. And I think that is the heart of a pastor being an evangelist, a pastor walking onto, into that pulpit on Sabbath morning, believing that some man, some woman, some boy, some girl is going to come to Jesus Christ. It, some time ago I read the book, The Shepherd Evangelist by Roy Allen Anderson, great preacher, and uh, he tells the story of going to preach in a prison. Mm-hmm. And he went to the prison to meet the prison warden and to see where he's going to preach, like on a Friday, he was going to preach on a Sunday morning. And he toured the prison, they took him to the little prison chapel, and there in the front row, of that prison chapel, Anthony, there were four seats draped in black. And Pastor Anderson looked at the prison warden. He said, what's that mean? And he said, it means that those people whose seats are draped in black are on death row and they'll be executed this week. Wow. And Royland Anderson said he went back and ripped up his sermon notes, ripped them up. He said, I didn't have a message for dying men and women. Yeah. And every time I walk into the pulpit, I say, somebody is on the verge of the kingdom. Exactly. Somebody is going to make a decision for eternity. Yeah. It reminds me of an experience that, had, that took place here in Washington, D.C. with one of our older evangelists many, many years ago. A young man came up to him and he said to him, a uh, young preacher actually, and he said, well, Pastor, why is it that you get so many decisions when you preach and I get so few when I preached? And the elder evangelist scratched his head and he said, now, you don't expect, young man, somebody to make a decision every time you preach, do you? Mm. And the young man said, well, not every time, elder, but sometime. And he said, unless you preach with the expectation Mm. that somebody's going to make a decision every time you preach, you'll have very few decisions for Christ. So for me, going to the auditorium ahead of time, going to the church ahead of time, not being rushed, sitting there on that platform, looking out over that audience, praying for those people that are coming to those places, asking God to give me the unique message of present truth that speaks to their heart, and recognizing that in every audience there's somebody on the verge of the kingdom ready to make a decision for Christ makes all the difference in the world. And it could be that this may be the last message that some of those people actually hear. It is. It could be. Uh, we, we live in a fragile, temporary world, tragically. Yeah. Um, but it is the good news that we can proclaim. Yeah. You know, I was in the country of Brazil, and I passed out some response cards. And on the response cards, there were decision lines. I choose to give my life to Jesus Christ. I choose to um, obey Christ. And there was one line that said, I would like to look forward to being baptized soon. A young man was sitting in the audience. He had previous been involved in drugs and drug dealing, Mm. owed a lot of money to a drug dealer. He checked the box, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be obedient to Christ. I want to be baptized. I invited people to turn the cards in, to put them in a bucket, bring them forward, and I would pray over them. This Mm -hmm. young man did not do that. He took the card and put it in his pocket. He went home and told his brother, he said to his brother, look at the decision I've made. His brother was a Christian, Adventist Christian. He said, I made a decision to follow Jesus. His brother was so incredibly excited. The young man then went to his house, and as he was knocking on the door uh, so his wife would come and open the door, one of the guys whom he hadn't paid money to, who was the drug dealer, came by and shot him, shot him dead at at the doorstep. His wife saw him lying in a pool of blood, 
and she just screamed, of course. Mm. The authorities, the ambulance came, the police came, but they couldn't revive him, and he died. Yeah. At the funeral, his mother had found that card in his pocket. Wow. And she said, as painful as it is for my son to have died and been shot to death here, as painful as that is, with tears coming down her face, she said, you know, I found this card. He's come to Jesus. I will see him again. So when we preach, there is that sense. Oh, yes. So evangelism is not simply proclaiming in a public auditorium. It can be, right. it can be sharing Jesus in a home with somebody. Exactly. It can be giving a Bible study to somebody. Yeah. It can be preaching on a Sabbath morning or, or during a Sunday night service. So, so evangelism has this heart of the Savior mm. desiring to save people allowing the Holy Spirit to use me to touch some other life to share the gospel and the truth of God's Word. Mm, that's wonderful. And in a sense, emulating Jesus. It is. Um, con conveying the compassion and the love of Jesus to, to people. And, you know, to think that that young man, mm. eternity is his. Yeah. You know, what, what a gift. And what a privilege for a pastor to be able to convey that good news. Mm. We're in the business of good news, not in the business of bad news, which mm. I'm eternally grateful for right. as well. Now, Mark, we're eager to hear from you about successful methods that a pastor or evangelist could use. Could we do that after this break? Let's do it. Okay. Stay with us. We're going to look at some successful methods that a pastor or evangelist can use in their ministry. Thanks. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. And joining us for this segment is our co-host, Derek Morris. Welcome, Derek. Happy to be here. Now, Mark, you've been a very effective, Holy Spirit-filled pastor or evangelist for 45 years. God has blessed you. You've been led to be very effective. We're eager to hear some effective methods of how a pastor evangelist operates. You know, in the book of Galatians, Jesus puts it this way. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, the Holy Spirit speaks through the apostle Paul and he says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap. And then you go down to verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There's a principle in evangelism of reaping and sowing. When the church becomes actively involved in the evangelistic process, this, and members are bringing their friends to meetings, the evangelistic preached word finds much greater response than if the soil of the heart has not been tilled up. So here's some methods that we use. As I go into a city to work for a major evangelistic um, preaching meeting, mm -hmm. We first encourage church members to begin to pray that God will lead them in contact with people that they personally can share Christ with. Mm -hmm. It's not that here comes the evangelist 
and the members just step aside now because the evangelist has come to town and he's going to show them how to do it. That's not it at all. We're on a team. Mm -hmm. um, God has given many different gifts. There's the pastoral gifts. There are every pastor has a multiplicity of things to do. Exactly. Those who are unusually gifted with the gift of evangelism may have honed those skills and uh, be used of God in a powerful way to make appeals. But church members, pastors, public evangelists working together mm -hmm. is God's plan. Mm. We're talking particularly in this program about the pastor as an evangelist. I've pastored a number of local churches and if I were pastoring again today and right now I am assisting in one church as a part-time pastor in addition to my local travel, so it keeps my hand in the local church. Mm -hmm in addition to my international travel. Um, but here's some things that I would do. Number one, I would encourage every member of my church to begin praying that God will lead them to somebody that they can share the gospel with. Mm -hmm. Because really, if we're not sharing the gospel ourselves personally, we are spiritually dying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they begin to write down the name of a husband, a wife that doesn't know Jesus, the name of a son or daughter that doesn't know Jesus, the name of a father or mother that doesn't know Jesus. So they write those down as they're praying. Mm -hmm. um, then we begin to say, what can I do to reveal an act of kindness to these people? How can I reveal God's mm -hmm. love to them? What needs do they have? The first words of Jesus in the Gospel of John were, what seek ye? Mm -hmm. I love it. Mm -hmm. Jesus always begins where people are. He never begins where he is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you lead people to Jesus? How do you participate in evangelism? You begin praying that God will lay somebody on your heart. You begin as God lays that person upon your heart to develop bonds of friendship with them, communicating with them. Mm -hmm. Then invite them to some event. Mm -hmm. As a pastor, I always want to be at the door of the church. Mm particularly after the service, but regularly before the service, greeting people that come in. And I see a church member bringing in John or Mary that I've never met before. Mm -hmm. And, oh, Joe, who do you have with you? This is a couple John and Mary. Uh, in our evangelistic meetings, I'm often at the door. Some years ago, I had um, an opportunity to interface with one of the leading insurance executives in America. And uh, let me back up in leading advertising companies in America that advertise for these large insurance companies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I was talking to him, his first name was Barry, and I said, Barry, you are an advertising executive. You are developing advertising packages for about 20 Adventist evangelists. You're, you've, you have big insurance companies as your clients, but you have about these 20 evangelists. You're developing TV packages for them and newspaper packages for them, and you're developing um, handbills, brochures for them. What are, which ones are successful and which ones aren't? He had never met many of these evangelists before. He had talked to them on the phone, and, and I knew all these 20 men. Mm -hmm. And he said, here are your five top evangelists, and here are the five bottom ones. These guys are not real successful. These ones mm. are. And I about fell over, and because he, he hit it right on. Wow. And I said, how did you know that? He said, I asked him three questions. I'll give you one of the questions. He said, I asked him, where do you go immediately after you've preached? Mm. And I said, that's a simple question. It's, it's a simple answer. You always go to the door to greet the people and you mm -hmm. get the reaction. He said, do you know what? Your top five evangelists are all at the door. They're all people per persons. They're all trying to get, they're discovering what the needs of people are and how they respond to the Building message. relationships. Building relationships. He said, 
your five guys on the bottom, after they preach, stay on the platform, expect people to come to them, mm. or they head out the door and take three deep breaths because they're exhausted after they preach. Mm -hmm. mm. Lay people praying for souls. Lay people inviting people to meetings. Pastors at the door greeting people. John, so good to see you. I missed your wife today. I noticed she wasn't here. Tell your teenage son that I missed him as well. Mm, yeah. This bondedness. And then preaching that focuses on decision. Mm -hmm. We've got another program coming up on that, Derek. That's preaching right. that focuses on decision. It's yeah. amazing. That's really Jesus' method, isn't it? How he came alongside people as one who longed to do good to them. Yeah. And, yeah. and then he called them to follow him. Right. Yeah. I think it's important that every time I preach, whether it is on a worship service, whether it's in a midweek meeting, that there is some type of appeal that gives people an opportunity to respond to the mm. claims of the gospel. Mm. Beautiful. That's very helpful. And Mark, you know, as I listen to you, I hear that being an evangelist, it's not a, a single-handed job. It's yeah. team ministry. Working it is. Together. It's, it's working together with, with members, with believers, with colleagues, with, with God. Yeah. and seeking God Amen. and building relationships with people. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're interested in people rather Amen. than just baptizing people. Exactly. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Thanks mm -hmm. so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Thanks, thank Derek. You. Thank you. And we want to thank you for joining us as well on Ministry in Motion. We'd like to invite you to our website, ministryinmotion.tv. There you can discover an array of resources. Send us some feedback. We're eager to hear from you as well. But we want you to especially know that we are praying for you and your ministry. And may God bless you in your ministry wherever you are.